You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome, everybody. Now it's live. We're going. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio, and it is 1400. Here we go. I'm going to start off with a, one of my favorite stories here. In fact, our uh, <clears throat> illustrious leader has pointed this out to me. Glock has apparently won a lawsuit where someone had sued them for their guns working properly. I know. You would think, why would you sue somebody for a gun working properly? Well, apparently they're counting this as a win for Glock and a loss for Joe Biden. Because Joe Biden begged, he even prayed, said, Lord, help me stop the gun companies or something something along those lines. I have to find the exact quote. But anyway, somebody had sued Glock for not having appropriate safety features on their guns. Now, all the safety features they have on their guns are very clear, clearly defined. Anyone who knows about them. Just like with anything else, you have to learn how to use any kind of tool that you're going to use. A circular saw has a safety device. If you bypass it and then cut your arm off, are you going to sue the circular saw company? Probably not because you did it yourself. Now, if the circular saw were to come apart and throw parts everywhere and hurt somebody, that would be on them. And there's a federal statute that says you may not sue firearms manufacturers for misuse of their products essentially meaning if someone uses a gun to commit a crime or kill somebody or shoot somebody or harm somebody anyway you cannot sue the manufacturer for of the gun because it did what it's supposed to do it's a tool it works how it's supposed to work because so many activists would have tried to tie up every manufacturer in court forever with frivolous lawsuits they decided you know this is not fair it's not right now it doesn't mean gun companies cannot be sued if a gun were to malfunction or work improperly or have some sort of, you know, recall issue where it caused harm to somebody, then they are liable. They are not completely immune from liability lawsuits. But this one was just somebody pulled the magazine out of the gun, thought it was empty, pulled the trigger, and there was one in the chamber, and he got shot and paralyzed. So, you know, the gun worked as it was supposed to. But you know what they say, stupid is as stupid does. So, and this is this would be crazy if, for some reason, Glock had lost this. This would have opened up every manufacturer of firearms to a waterfall, a tsunami of lawsuits. Because any time anybody was shot with any kind of weapon, there would be a group of people who would go after the manufacturer for this. But uh, fortunately, though, there was a um, a judge in Arizona who upheld the liability immunity granted under the Protection of Lawful Commerce Act, which was passed in 2005. And this is what protects gun manufacturers from frivolous lawsuits. And it actually protects other companies from frivolous lawsuits as well. It was particularly designed because gun manufacturers, because of the nature of their product, they tend to be a target more often than not, no pun intended. But could you imagine if all of a sudden every product or everything out there if it was misused, you could sue the manufacturer for someone misusing it, which means if someone took an axe to a family of people, they could sue the axe manufacturer for making the product, even though it worked exactly as it was supposed to. Or if someone ran people down with a car running down a sidewalk, you could sue Ford for that, you know, for providing a product that worked properly. But again, it doesn't prevent you from suing a firearms manufacturer if there's a true liability issue. If it has a design flaw or defect in it or something uh, that they can prove they knew about that was unsafe. 
But here it was just a matter of somebody being stupid, shot himself because he didn't understand how the weapon worked. I don't even know how he ended up with it. Apparently he found it in a car and ended up shooting himself or shooting somebody. Yeah, it's like dumb. But you know what? To me, that's just a little bit of chlorine in the gene pool there. You know, let's get this guy out of the way so the regular people can hang around and still live their lives. Who are you going to sue for a ghost gun? Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, um... Actually, almost any manufacturer, you could probably try suing the people if it's a manufactured part because most of the ghost guns come 80% complete. And whoever buys them will finish out the last 20% and put it together. So they could try suing the manufacturer of the 80% parts. Or if you just build one from scratch, then, you know, it's on whoever built it, I suppose, if it if it has manufacturing flaws in it. But if it works properly... It's protected under the what is it, the Commerce Lawful Commerce in Arms Act. So it's protected. But I just couldn't imagine if they actually went through and Glock had lost this lawsuit, how many other lawsuits would that open to every manufacturer? Guns would be extremely scarce, ridiculously expensive, and it would just be un it'd be an undue burden on all of them. And then it would probably spread to other types of products before you know it kitchen knife manufacturers would be being sued for people chopping their fingers off or you know stabbing spouses with them whatever whatever's done with kitchen knives beside cooking you know if someone misused it they could sue the manufacturer which is ridiculous but fortunately this was a win for glock for the firearms industry for the american people in general so we will still have firearms manufacturers for years to come hopefully although i don't think biden is going to rest easy on this. He's not going to take this lightly, if he even knows what's going on. Or whoever controls him is going to, not going to take this lightly and give him something to say about it. And last month he stood there and said, firearms industry is the only industry in America that cannot be sued. And he called for divine intervention. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't uh, pray very often. But in any case, they won the lawsuit. Firearms manufacturers are safe for now. So this is something that's very interesting because if they had gone around this or tried to make the firearms or the Commerce Act not valid, then it would open it up to all kinds of ridiculous things. Do you remember the? Uh, do you remember the uh, chainsaw murders? Are they going to take chainsaw steels? Going to be out of business? <laughs> Steel, home light, Husqvarna, all being sued for their chainsaws. Yep. It would just be ridiculous. I mean, you wouldn't be able to manufacture. Manufacturing in this country would be gone. Nobody would be able to manufacture anything in this country. And other companies trying to sell things here would probably not sell to the United States if they felt like there was a liability risk for being sued unnecessarily and having to defend themselves time and time again. I mean, we're litigious enough of a society. We don't need to add more on top of that. If a product works as as intended... And all its safety features and manufacturing um, ways work properly, and the and the tool works the way it's supposed to work. They can't help you, you know. You, they say they can't make anything foolproof because fools are so ingenious. They'll find a way around safety things. And you can tell this if you look at some of the warning labels on some things. Like the funniest one I saw is the the baby stroller. Do not fold up with baby inside. I mean, if you have to be told that, you gotta be too stupid to even have children. That's ridiculous. And sometimes they just throw stuff in there to uh, to see if you're paying attention, like the one on a DVD player that said, not to be used as a projectile in a catapult. I don't know if that was actually tried or not, <laughs> but it's funny that they put it in there. 
But so far, guns are safe for now. As long as the gun manufacturers make good products, safe products, and products that work as designed, then we should be okay. You know, I was just uh, contemplating suing a beer company because I've cut my finger trying to open a a oh. beer bottle it on time. On, yeah, you know, or even you know. a can. If you just try to push the little tab down in a little yeah. you could cut your finger. Yeah. So. Yeah, that could be, you know, they should have a breathalyzer on every can of beer, every bottle of wine, every bottle of booze to make sure you can have enough safety features so you won't, you know, hurt yourself or others. <laughs> but that would be ridiculously expensive and people, you know, I get that all the time. I say alcohol, you know, what if you make alcohol illegal? I mean, because it doesn't serve any purpose other than to... Blur your ju- you know, and, uh, blur your judgment, ruin your fine motor skills, and people say, "Oh, millions of people use alcohol every day without hurting anybody." Millions of people use guns every day without hurting anybody. Legally owned, law-abiding citizens use guns to defend themselves or just to have in their possession to practice, to to um, participate in shooting sports, and don't hurt anybody. So. The same applies to guns as it does to alcohol. Use responsibly. Be a law-abiding citizen. Don't be a criminal. So we'll see if that actually holds up. I'm sure Biden's not done trying to uh, do something to get more gun control because he is on it. In fact, they released something today, which I'll get to in a few minutes. He has his White House uh, list of things he wants to have done by the Justice Department. But now let's go to Florida. Here's some good news. Ron DeSantis signs a bill banning local governments from implementing their own gun control laws. Now, granted, this should be the case anyway, because state law takes precedent over local municipalities, counties, cities, stuff like that. State law should take precedent anyway, just like federal law takes precedent over most state law. The only problem comes when they have overlap or there's some issue whether state or federal law is constitutional or legal. But he signed this saying the bill will take effect uh, July 1st and make local governments pay as much much as $100,000 in damages if they're sued for imposing gun regulations. So they can put them in place, but if they get sued for it and they find out it violates state law, then they can be liable for up to $100,000, which is going to stop most local municipalities and cities from trying to pass additional gun control laws in addition to what the state already has in place and what the federal government has in place. So that's great news because, again, a lot of these states are trying to become sanctuary states for Second Amendment rights because it seems as if the federal Officials, senators, congressmen, presidents don't care about the Second Amendment. I don't know if they didn't read it. They didn't understand it. I'm not sure. Maybe they can't read. Who knows? I'm sure Biden can read because that's the only way he could get a speech across is by reading a teleprompter. Pretty sure he doesn't have any words of his own. But now, at least Florida, you're protected against little municipalities or little power-hungry dictators in these counties trying to pass ridiculous gun control laws. So we'll see how that goes. But DeSantis has been – he has been uh, just on fire with all of his his providing freedom to the people in the state between the, the COVID restrictions being lifted. And he I think he passed something telling companies they were not allowed to ask for a vaccine, quote-unquote, passport in order to serve them. I, I have – as long as you're uh, talking about our infamous governments – I've got to uh, I've got to speak up and say that 
Blasio is the biggest idiot in the world in canceling the Veterans Day Parade, Memorial Day Parade for veterans, and uh, he wouldn't give the permit. That's in in New York he did that? In New York. Okay, because I know in D.C., the Biden administration wouldn't pass one for the for the uh, motorcycle ride there either. Yeah, this is, uh, this you know, how to win friends and lose veterans' votes. Yeah, ignore Memorial Day and not uh, honor it the yeah. way you should. It's The fact that ride in D.C. had been going on for 30 years. Yeah, so is this one in New York. And, and they didn't get the permit, and they, they refused to give them a permit to, to run it. Now, I wonder if they're going to just ride up there as a an informal group and try and do it without the permit. That would be interesting to see. Oh, we're just all people with the same purpose, but we're not actually together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'd love to see that and see what, you know, the ballless wonder Blasio, where did he ever serve? He serves himself every day, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. With one hand or both, I'm not sure. But and uh, <laughs> as far as Biden's concerned, I don't believe... Biden can't feed himself, much less serve himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he didn't serve in the military, and uh, neither did Blasio, neither neither did uh, Com- Como, Comio, whatever but, his name is. So, but neither did Trump, but yet he showed an amount of respect that I haven't seen in a president in a very long time, which was great. I mean, yeah. they said applications to be on his detail, the military applications for his detail, went soaring as soon as he became president. Before that, during Obama's administration, they had to, quote-unquote, force people to volunteer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, who knows? Trump may be back one of these days. Oh, uh, I'd like to see it, or somebody he would support or get behind would be great. Yep. I say a lot of people are calling for DeSantis to step up and maybe run for something in a couple of years, because right now he's he seems to be just on fire with everything. He's handling the coronavirus thing just beautifully and now he's protecting second amendment rights he's showing himself to be potentially presidential and he takes no bs off anybody he just stomps it out and there it goes this is what i'm going to do and that's it he gets it done and people like him yes yes they do and uh we would support him certainly well it depends on who imagine trump running against DeSantis. then what are you going to (laughs) do i'd be great if we had several really good candidates to choose from that would be fantastic Especially against Biden, if he's—I have a, f- a feeling Biden's not going to be the uh, candidate to run against in three years. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I agree. Three and a half you. years. <laughs> uh, you know, he's—you <clears throat> <laughs> saw what he, his last foopaw, didn't it? No, I, I, there's so there's so many of them. I can't keep up with well, them all. The the day of prayer. Oh, okay. And he leaves out God. Yeah, that might be intentional. <laughs> you know, because I don't know. A lot of Democrats seem to avoid religion. At any cost. You know, it's kind of weird. I don't know why it is, but they seem to avoid. I mean, didn't they pull under God out of, uh, oh, in God we trust off our money or something? They tried. Oh, I thought they did. I wasn't sure. And they tried to take under God out of the the uh, Pledge one, of Allegiance. Yeah, one nation under God. Mm-hmm. And it's like the more you eliminate that, I think the more lawless you're going to become. Absolutely. So we'll see how that goes. Hmm. But now in Colorado, there's a sheriff who actually stood up and said the state's new gun control laws are unenforceable. We can't enforce them. Now, I wonder if he means he doesn't want to enforce them or he doesn't think it's going to be possible. One of the ones they have is where you have to keep a weapon secure when it's not being used or being stored. It has to be securely stored. And you're responsible for it even when you don't have it with you. So basically, if you have a gun in your house 
and somebody gets a hold of it and does a crime with it, you may be partially responsible for that. But he's going, how are we going to enforce this? We're not going to go door to door asking to inspect people's firearms and ask where they're being stored and have us, you know, we can't do that. We're not going door to door for that. He goes, the only way this would be enforceable is after the fact. If someone were to steal a gun, use it in a crime, and they find out later it wasn't properly secured how it was supposed to be. But you got to realize, too, if they're, if they're breaking into a house and stealing it, that shouldn't make you liable because they broke the law. Now, granted, if you have family members who get a hold of it and steal it because you're not there to keep them from getting into it, that is a different story. You need to be responsible if you're a gun owner. Don't just leave stuff lying around, especially if you have kids, angry spouses, weird neighbors, I don't know, stuff like that. you got to secure all your weapons. At the same token, though, some of the security goes so far, you're fumbling around trying to find the key for your gun lock, your your trigger lock, and the guy breaks in and shoots you. Yeah, there's that. I would rather just have my gun. I mean, I don't have kids in my house, so I can leave my guns unloaded. My dogs leave them alone because they don't like the taste of them <laughs> so i can have them in there now granted if someone were to break in and steal them i wonder if that would that may be on me i'm not sure how that in georgia i don't think that would be a crime on my part but you know as long as you keep them hidden well enough or protect them against people in your own household from getting a hold of them and using them illegally that should be enough but this sheriff just said he says there's no way we can go door to door and start asking people where they keep their guns and start searching for them he goes that would be ridiculous Unless it occurs in the home and they don't have it secured properly with children in the house or, you know, certain people who are mentally unstable and you don't secure your weapons, you know, that would be your responsibility. Otherwise, you shouldn't have them in the house if you have somebody mentally unstable or you have children who are not trained or know better than to touch things. That's the thing. I mean, most kids if in a gun household are taught early on, you don't touch this unless I'm there. I tell people who come if they have kids, I say, if you want to see anything, ask me. I'll show you anything I got. I just want to be there when you look at it. That's all. And I try and clean stuff up if people are coming over with kids, and I let them know my house is not kid-friendly, so they need to be extra careful. But it's it's good that the sheriff is taking this position, though, going, we're not going door-to-door. We're not going to search people's homes. That's not within our, our responsibility, nor is it even legal within the law. Yeah, without a search warrant. Right. Imagine having to, you know, get search warrants for every single house they think a gun may be unsecured. That'd be the only thing they would do day in and day out, every day, all during the year. They'd have no time for anything else. Maybe that's part of uh, Biden's plan uh, to offer more jobs for the gun patrol. Yeah, right. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to go over well. Second Amendment clearly states, shall not be infringed. But apparently either he doesn't speak English, he doesn't know the Second Amendment, or he knows it and just doesn't care and wants to implement his own agenda. But of course, you know, with bumbling Biden, it's hard to tell what he's doing because he doesn't speak very clearly. He doesn't make his thoughts, he doesn't express his thoughts very clearly and straightforward. Looks like he's got a mouthful of marbles and he's trying to read something in a foreign language that he doesn't know the language. <laughs> but we'll see how he goes the rest of the year. You know, see if he makes it at least one year. Now we go to New York, where a senator in New York blames the gun industry for the Times Square shooting. Here we go again. Sh- shootings are up 83% in New York City compared to last year. I wonder why. Well, with a lack of police officers, lack of visibility of police officers, with a lack of enforcement of the law, that's what's going to happen. Laws get broken. 
And you get people, you arrest them, they are arrested for a crime, and then they just let them back out. They got the uh, revolving door on the jail cell that just lets them right back out. They were doing this with the quote-unquote peaceful protesters when they were burning stuff to the ground, lighting things on fire, overturning cars, harassing people, blocking streets. They'd arrest them, put them in jail, and they'd be out within hours. And it backfired on them one time because apparently in New York City, somewhere in front of the Trump Tower, I believe it is, they have a large lettering that says Black Lives Matter. And there was a a black woman and several of her friends that went out there and tried to pour paint over it to cover it all up because they said it was complete garbage. The whole BLM, burn, loot, murder crowd was not representing them. And they arrested her, and then they let her out within an hour, and she was back to doing it again. I think she got arrested three or four times and kept going back and doing it again (laughs) until the day was over. So it was funny because they show her carrying a bucket of paint, and she has gloves on up to her elbows and scooping paint out, just throwing it all over this mural and smearing it all over the street on her hands and knees. And the cops are standing there telling her to stop. You know, and she's yelling, support the police, support the police. And they're sitting there supposedly trying to arrest her. And you can see their enthusiasm level is very low when it comes to getting her to stop. (laughs) They're talking to her, ma'am, you need to stop that. They're not touching her. They're just trying to, you know, egg her into standing up and surrendering herself. Because she's sitting there yelling, support our local police, support our police. We don't need to defund them. So it's hard for them to want to, you know, arrest somebody like that. And it shows if you ever watch the video of that. It was it was very entertaining to watch that. But of course, who was this? Who was this? Uh, a New York senator. Let's see if we have his name somewhere. I don't know what his name is. But according to the New York Police Department commissioner, the shooting started as a dispute between a group of people when one of them pulled a gun. There you go. In New York, it's nearly impossible to get get a gun permit. In fact, I'm pretty sure the guy there was probably. Not legally carrying a gun, although they don't have a suspect in custody. So we'll have to see if they ever find anybody for that. But he was trying to shoot somebody, apparently, and missed and hit three innocent parties instead. And, of course, de Blasio was quick to blame the shooting on the flood of illegal guns into New York. And while well, the state senator, Brad Hoy- Hoyleman, decided the shooting was the fault of the gun industry. Yeah, because they put the gun in the hands of the criminals because they pulled the trigger somehow. Again, trying to sue people for something that's not their fault. That's why we have the Lawful Commerce Protection Act to prevent frivolous lawsuits from taking over the courts. Because after all, this would be a perfect opportunity for them to get some gun rights group to start suing whatever, if they even know. I don't think they have a suspect. They don't have a suspect. They don't have a suspect in custody yet. They don't even know what kind of gun it is. So they're just going to sue all the American manufacturers and foreign manufacturers. It's, you know, without having the gun, they don't know. But I thought it was pretty funny. Here goes another junk lawsuit coming in because they think that's going to make a difference. But in New York, you know, they don't support gun rights anyway. In fact, I've spoke about this before. I've seen there's a 60-page application you have to fill out with a $300 fee just to apply to purchase a handgun. Not carry it on you, just to purchase. So basically, they're taking your right to purchase a weapon and putting a tax on it of $300 just to be able to exercise that right. I bet you not, New York has no reciprocal agreements. They do not. <laughs> Most 
Most states with very restrictive laws have no reciprocity with any other states. California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois. There's a few I can name right off the bat. Now, South Carolina, for the longest time, had no reciprocity either, but they've since changed the the wording of their law to where now they do. They're starting to to realize that they want to have that with other states because they tend to be a little more gun-friendly than some of the northern states or the western states. I think Washington, Seattle, none of them have reciprocity with anybody either or very few people. Well, that would be something. You know, they always talk about compromise when it talks to gun rights. If you want to compromise, that means you give something to get something. So if they want to compromise on gun laws, let's get something out of this. Give us reciprocity. Give us the Hearing Protection Act. You know, it's funny because people say health care is a right. You have a right to health care. You know what? It's not in the Constitution anywhere. I've not seen it unless they've added something I haven't seen lately. But the right to keep and bear arms is in the Constitution. So since... The right to keep and bear arms is a right. Perhaps guns should be tax deductible. That would be amazing. Yeah, just deduct your gun off your taxes because you have the right to own them. Just like you deduct health care off your your income. Well, at least you're supposed to be able to. But imagine being able to deduct guns. Oh, my God, that would be awesome. I would love that. Oh, I have a huge tax deduction this year. If I had any guns still, you know, then I would definitely take advantage of that. Okay, now let's talk about a few guns here and there. There's some new stuff out that I was really excited about. This is one by Taurus, the Raging Hunter. Now, it's not a new model. The Raging Hunter's been out before. It's in a 44 Magnum, 357, and I believe a 454 Casul. And now they bumped it up. They have the Raging Hunter available in a 460 Smith & Wesson Magnum. And this is an outstanding cartridge. It is amazingly powerful. This is probably one of the most powerful pistol cartridges in the world, right up there with the 500 Smith & Wesson Magnum. But the great thing about the 460 Smith & Wesson is that its bullet diameter is, is the same as the 454 Casul, is the same as the 45 Long Colt, the 45 ACP. So you can shoot almost any 45 caliber bullet in this weapon. And the 460 is a hammer. It'll take down anything in North America easily. So this is available now. I've seen. I think I've seen one of them out in the actual out in the wild, so to speak. But this is something that will have a power option that's been unseen before, except in Smith and Wesson. I think they were the only ones offering a 460 S and W and anything. Now Taurus is offering a chambering in the 460 Smith and Wesson. And I mean, yeah, the 460 Smith Wesson. As you might guess. The Taurus version is probably a lot. It's about 30%, 33% cheaper than the least expensive Smith & Wesson version. I think, let's see, MSRP, $968 in black, and a two-tone, $983. So, now the materials, the frame is alloy steel or stainless. The barrel is stainless. It has a transfer bar safety. It's single action or double action with a five round capacity. And barrel lengths come in either five and an eighth, six and three quarters, or eight and three eighths. So I guess the eight and three eighths would be the longer barrel for more hunting purposes. Unless you just want a bear gun, then you get the six and three quarter or five and an eighth just to be able to carry it on your on your chest or on your hip a little more easily. I wonder what kind of kick that sucker has. Ooh, it's it's probably uh hefty. Because I've got a four fifty four Casul, I've shot it. And it's hefty. All right, we'll be back right after these messages. I am Roger B. 
This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Whether cruising the Strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. This is America's Web Radio. Would you like to have a show, talk about your business, or express your opinion? On America's Web Radio. Just email gm at americaswebradio.com and we'll get back to you. Thank you. And we're back. I'm Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Right before we left for the break, we we're talking about the Taurus Raging Hunter in the new 460 Smith & Wesson Magnum. This is a beast of a cartridge. If you have any inclination to want to know what it's like, you can look it up and look at the ballistics on this thing. It's probably one of the most powerful handgun cartridges, standard production, that's available right now, accepting handguns that fire rifle cartridges. Obviously, you have a three hundred eight pistol. That's going to be a lot more powerful, but probably not in a, as compact a package. And uh, right during the break... Uh, Legend Dave was asking, he goes, that must have a little bit of kick to it. I said, oh, yeah, it probably does with the amount of foot-pounds of energy it puts out. But they've thought this through. They have their, they have these ergonomic grips that have the cushioning built into them, finger grooves and cushioning. There's a big cushion strip in the back of a different kind of rubber than the rest of the grips are made of. Also, they have uh, porting in the barrel to help eliminate by porting the gases upwards and forward. It kind of r- removes some of the 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 flip up from it but it's also a heavy gun in the uh, shortest barrel length it weighs 3.6 pounds unloaded so and then in the heaviest one it's 4.1 pounds in the eight and three eighths inch barrel so this it's a handful of gun sounds to <laughs> me like you're uh, you're carrying your own cruise missile launcher oh yeah it's like a nice having a guns on a battleship i mean that 460 is an amazing cartridge it's it's outstanding in fact i wish somebody would come up with a rifle version of the 460 i was looking at one point to see if i could get a lever action 460 to go with my 460 revolver which i think would be fantastic but i don't know if the lever action weapons have enough strength in the action to handle the 460 cartridge that'd be the only thing without getting into some odd custom custom weapon which you know you get into thousands of dollars and in instead of a half that for a standard production weapon but it also has a rail on the top so you can put optics on it right out of the box which in a gun like this optics might be good for either a red dot or a scope or something like that it's got a full-length Picatinny 
rail along the barrel shroud. And that makes optics installation very easy. But it also has open sights that are fully adjustable for elevation and windage on the rear. So you, you can use this open-sided or with an optic. Now, the optic would probably have to be a good quality optic because handling the recoil of this gun would probably not be easy. That would be a handful. But I really look forward to seeing one of these. I think I've seen one or two in the wild, but I want to get my hands on one. Didn't actually fondle it yet, but I want to get one. Like I say, the versatility is amazing. 45 Long Colt, 454 Casul, and 460 Smith & Wesson all in one chambering. The only thing they could do better than this is make a Raging Judge Plus or something which takes the 410 shotguns and the 460 and the 454 and the 45 Long Colt. Then you could, <laughs> anything 45 caliber or 410 would go through this thing. That would be outstanding. But we'll see. It's just coming out now, and you should start seeing them in gun stores pretty quickly. Now, here's something that was actually out last month, but some of you may have already known this. But first of all, Colt was purchased by the company CZ, the Czechoslovakian company. And uh, they announced also that they're going re- to reintroduce the Colt Anaconda. Now, if you're not familiar with this, Colt has a long history of using snakes for their guns. But the Anaconda is the 44 Magnum version of the Colt Python. The Python being a 357, the Anaconda being a 44 Magnum. It's going to be available this year in both 6 and 8 inch barrels. And they're going to have recoil absorbing hoe grips because 44 is still a healthy cartridge. Now, compared to the 454, the 460, much easier to shoot as compared to those as far as I know from what I've heard. And the new one is the 6-inch Anaconda is going to weigh 53 ounces. That's right about 3 and 3 quarter pounds, so it's going to be a hefty gun as well. So that'll be interesting to see. And this these should be available shortly. They're going to be a semi-bright stainless steel finish, target adjustable sights, six-screw barrel, all the standard things a snake gun needs. So... I look forward to seeing these. This is one that was only out for a very short time when it was first introduced. I want to say it was back in the 90s. Yeah, 1994. I think they had the the first introduced in 1990, and they ran until 2003. So they only ran for 13 years with the Anaconda. Now, the Python, of course, had been out a lot longer than that, I believe, since the 60s. But both of them have been have been, been reintroduced, and the Python has been extremely popular. And I have a feeling that the 44 Magnum in the Anaconda is going to be equally as power as popular and it uh, retails at 14.95 so it's not a cheap gun $1500 for a 44 Magnum you can get the Taurus for about 33% less than that in the 460 Smith and Wesson which I'm still really excited about that's so much fun okay here we go let's get back now that everyone's all excited about buying a new gun Let's get into what the White House is going to try and do on their initial orders on gun control. They released a statement. When did this come out? Let's see, April 7th. This is last month also. The Justice Department, within 30 days, will issue a proposed rule to help stop the proliferation of ghost guns. They act like ghost guns are falling from the sky like rain, and they're at every crime scene. But the fact is, the number of them used in crimes has been minuscule, almost statistically zero, because it takes a lot of effort to build a gun from 80% lower. It's not the kind of thing criminals want to do. If they were not criminals, they would take effort and they would employ themselves or find jobs. They wouldn't have to be robbing, stealing, burn, looting, murdering, whatever it was they do on their, on their, on their working days. 
so they're going to try and stop the proliferation of ghost guns. He said, criminals are. He says criminals are buying kits containing nearly all the components and directions for finishing a firearm within as little as thirty minutes. Yeah, and using these to commit crimes. Yeah, it's possible. But anyone who's ever done one or two of these knows it's not an easy process. It would be much easier to just steal one than to actually manufacture one. And I'm, they're gonna, but they're gonna try and stop it because they think that uh, people are just manufacturing these by the dozens, and it's causing crime waves to just start all over every major city. But it's been a target because they want to know who owns what. They want serial numbers on everything. But right now in the United States, it is legal to manufacture your own weapon as long as you do not sell it. And it will not be serialized. It will not be registered anywhere. But if you ever decide to sell it legally, you have to put serial numbers on it and register it. So there is that. But with the 80% rule, the 80% rule states if a gun is only 80% finished, a receiver frame is 80% finished, it is not a gun. It is just a hunk of metal, a hunk of plastic. But when you finish the last 20%, then it becomes a weapon. Then it becomes a gun. It becomes a firearm. Okay, the Justice Department within 60 days will issue a proposed rule to make clear when a device marketed as a stabilizing brace effectively turns a pistol into a short barrel rifle. Now, this is one that's, there are millions, I think the last count was around 4 million of these quote-unquote pistol braces out there. So that could turn every single one of those owners into a criminal overnight if they change the requirements or restrictions on the pistol braces. And it just says it makes the firearm more concealable, stable, and accurate. And it's like, it's a pistol. Pistols are more concealable than any of these weapons with a with a pistol brace on them. But yet, it does make them easier to shoot higher-powered cartridges out of a pistol by using this. And we don't want people to, you know, to do a good job when they shoot their weapons. We just want them to blast all over the place. Hey, Biden himself says just hang the two barrels of the shotgun over the back porch and let out the two barrels. You don't have to aim or point or know what you're shooting at. Just unload, which is one of the most irresponsible things anybody has ever said. You don't just blast rounds off the back porch without knowing where they're going to go. The first four rules of gun safety, one of them is always be sure of your target and what is behind it so blasting rounds off the back porch is not doing that wonder if he's been doing it at the white house oh i know his dog's been biting people at the white house oh he doesn't need a gun there the dog takes care of everybody apparently (laughs) (laughs) besides even if he had a gun i don't think he'd remember where he put it but uh the atf's been hinting at doing this since before biden was sworn in they were announcing the withdrawal, withdrawing proposed guidance on pistol stabilizing braces that would turn millions of legally owned AR-15 style pistols into short barrel rifles. And a short barrel rifle must be registered as a short barrel rifle with the ATF, which requires getting a, a stamp, which is literally a stamp, a tax stamp. Now, when they first proposed this, they said anybody who had one would get a pass on the fee. You wouldn't have to pay the $200 to get the stamp. And they would just give you the stamp, but you had to register the weapon. And there's millions of these things out there. Like I say, the last count was somewhere between 4 and 5 million. And within 60... Okay, the next thing is the Justice Department, within 60 days, will publish model red flag law legislations for states. This is going to limit... Because right now, each state has their own version of red flag laws. They're going to try and put some... 
I guess, um, consistency into these people, into these people, the government's trying to put red flag laws into place. So they're going to say, okay, red flag law, law, hmm. red flag laws allow family members or law enforcement to petition for a court order temporarily barring people in crisis from accessing firearms. So basically, they're going to assume you're guilty until you prove yourself innocent. This is entirely backwards from what our legal system says is supposed to be the right thing to do. Now, I don't know how many of you have families. I guess everybody has some family. You had to come from somewhere. You weren't you weren't hatched in an egg in a chicken house. So you have family. And sometimes you disagree with family. It happens. But now that family can go and say, oh, he's crazy. You need to take his guns away. Even if there's no legitimate reason for them to do that, they can. Now, law enforcement, I have a little more faith in law enforcement not pushing red flag laws unless they see a, a realistic threat there. But families, there was the one that was one gentleman killed because of a red flag law because his sister said he was loud, outspoken, and expressing his conservative opinions. Well, she didn't think he should have been able to do that, so she called in the red flag law people. They went to collect his guns. He said no. He had a gun when he answered the door because they went to his house at 3 a.m. in the morning. Who doesn't have a gun in their hand when you're answering the door at 3 in the morning? But anyway, they talked to him. He realized they were police officers. He put the gun down. Then they told him they were going to have to take all his guns, and he picked his gun back up. A scuffle ensued, and he was shot and killed. So his sister basically got him killed because she didn't like the fact that he was loud and opinionated. And this man had no criminal record up to this point. He was in his 50s, I believe. No criminal record, no criminal violations, no felonies, nothing like that in his entire life. And he gets killed because his sister decides he's too loud and outspoken. So it's going to be interesting to see what they include in the federal Guidelines for red flag laws to see what happens. I mean, I understand you don't want somebody mentally deficient having a gun. You don't want somebody who's quick to anger or has a reputation for hurting or shooting people to have a gun. Most of those are covered by current laws. But, of course, they want to add it in so they can basically take guns from anybody without going through due process. I mean, without any proof whatsoever other than, well, you know, he's kind of loud. I don't like the way he talks to people. Oh, he has lots of guns. He must be a nutcase. Yeah. Well, this is going to, we'll see what happens there. But they're also going to have, okay, federal, let's see. They're going to make 26 different programs to direct vital support to community violence intervention programs. Yeah, that's just a way of burning money. They just want to spend more money. So we'll have to see. But the the pistol brace thing is going to be huge if they pass that because, like I say, that will literally make millions of Americans criminals overnight. And I don't know about the ghost gun thing because I think if they look at the actual numbers on ghost guns, it's so ridiculously small that they're not really going to eliminate any substantial amount of crime by doing anything of this because most criminals are lazy. They don't want to go through the the manufacturing process. They don't want to sit there and make all the guns. They don't want to buy all the parts separately. It's much easier for them to steal them. You know, if they can steal them, then they get them all, all done, or they buy them. They have straw purchasers buy them for them so they don't have to put them together. Because it is a process putting these ghost guns together. Any of you who have done this, you know what it takes. I know the AR-15 and the Glock are probably the two highest ones on the list as far as most most made. 
All right, we'll come back right after this. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. In 2009, the membership organization Docs for Patient Care was founded. People all around the country wanted to participate in the efforts of this group, and they wanted to join, but they were unable to do so unless they were physicians. It's for this reason that the Docs for Patient Care Foundation was created. Now, everyone can join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients, dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. While you're at your computer, please go to www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docs4patientcarefoundation.org and make a tax-deductible donation and join the fight along with us. Thank you. Hi, this is Rocky Blair, former four-time Super Bowl champion with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Vietnam veteran. As a board member, I'd like to talk to you about Warriors to Citizen, a nonprofit organization that helps American heroes, soldiers, police, fire, EMT, and their families recover from the psychological harm caused by career-induced stress. Over the last 20 years, broken relationships have been a major causal factor for the highest document divorce rate and resulting suicides in this population. This program, from Warriors to Citizen, is delivered free to families by professionals, all whom served in uniform and understand the needs to be addressed. I ask for your support. So please, go to our website, warriorstocitizen.org, and find out how you can help, either by making a donation or sharing this information with an American hero that you may know. And thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Roger B. We're back with Locked and Loaded. Just before we left for the break, we were talking about uh, the Justice Department rules. And now since then, this is um, 510. This was yesterday. Biden Justice Department issues 115 pages of proposed new firearm definitions. This goes back to the quote-unquote ghost guns or homemade guns. They want to change the definition of what a firearm is. They want to change the definition from instead of having one serialized piece that is considered the gun or the weapon and everything else is just parts, they want to change guns like the AR-15. They want to make it a serialized upper and lower in order to have it be a gun. So there's two parts that both have to be registered, which would eliminate buying a lower completely assembled and then just having the upper shipped to your house or wherever you want to have it shipped and putting it together. Now, this has been done since 1968, I believe. They had this these uh, definitions in place, and they've served us well. I mean, without the gun part, you cannot make a weapon work. So it's not like they're just sending guns out to everybody. You know, you can't just get an upper and make it and have it function. It needs the trigger assembly, the safety, all that needs to be installed in it. And that's where the gun comes in. But now they're trying to redefine it. AR-15, the SIG P320. And this will require all the pistol slides and assemblies to be a serialized firearm. 
which means you no more swapping slides out unless you're changing the gun, you know, the way the gun is. You'd have to get a, a you'd have to go through an FFL to buy uppers for your AR15 to buy slides for your Glock or your SIG or whatever else you're buying uppers for. And they have to be pro- processed, transferred through a licensed firearm dealer on the 4473 form. <sighs> so, we'll see if this comes through. Now there is this is the ATF, so there is a I guess an opinion, you get to leave an opinion or uh, leave feedback on the proposed changes in the rules. And there's 90 days in which they will accept public comments and public feedback on these rules. So if you have any ideas that you want to stop them from doing this ridiculous garbage, by all means, go to the ATF website during the 90-day comment period, leave a comment telling them this is ridiculous and they shouldn't have the right to do this at all, much less in violation of Second Amendment rights, which, you know, the Second Amendment, I understand it says shall not be infringed. However, in order to keep crazy people, minors, criminals from having guns, you have to have some sort of a way to keep the wrong people from getting their hands on guns, which is one reason why in a state with permits, they usually over... They usually pass over the idea of running a background check on you if you already have a permit because your background check's already been run. It's already been done. You're finished, which is great because that way you have a permit. You can purchase a weapon. You don't have to wait for a called-in background check to get it because you've already had one done by the FBI. Local and state officials have already done it, and you've been checked out. You're clear. So you have once they publish this rule on the in the Federal Register, the public will have 90 days to submit comments. Any person who desires to do that can do it. Or if you have an opportunity to comment orally at a public hearing, you have to submit a request for that. Now, I don't know that that many people are going to be that inspired to go to Washington or wherever they do these and make a an oral comment. But there is a chance to comment, make make suggestions, criticize the potential that this law has, and go in and change it. It was done last time. They were coming after the the um, pistol braces last time and it had so many comments that they shut it down and decided not to pursue it at that point in time which is great because pistol braces are a fantastic add-on to any rifle caliber pistol they make it so much easier to use and I don't believe there have been that many cases of them being used in criminal activities I mean it could be it makes you know the difference between a 10-inch barrel and a 16-inch barrel is not very much. Yeah, it's a little more concealable, but not enough to where it's going to make that big difference in how deadly it is or how dangerous it is or who carries it. You know, it's still a rifle-caliber pistol. is still based on a rifle frame. And as far as them changing the way you register uppers and slides and things like that, that could get really messy. I wonder if they were going to come after people who build their own. Again, this is to eliminate the ghost guns or the, the homemade guns, which right now are legal to manufacture in your own home, basement, garage, wherever you want to do it. You may manufacture a weapon at home, and that is perfectly legal. As long as you are not a felon, you are not a criminal, you have nothing that would restrict you from owning a gun, you can manufacture your own gun. If you do, you cannot sell it or transfer it to anybody else unless you register it and put serial numbers on it. So consider that. If you're going to build a ghost gun, know that when you build it, it will be yours forever. Unless you want to go through the registration process and hand it down to somebody. You know, or give it to somebody else or even eventually sell it. You could sell it eventually 
If not, if you don't do that, then you are considered in violation trying to be a gun dealer without having the proper licensing. So that's something that, that has to be l- looked at as well. So be aware of that if you're going to try and build a uh, <clears throat> a ghost gun or an 80% gun. All right, now we're going to get into a story that was last month again, but this is a police officer shoots and kills a gunman and stops an attempted mass shooting. Now, this is interesting because, you know, so many people are against the police, and I just see, you know, this is this happens all the time, though. Police officers stop crimes from becoming worse or from happening at all. This happens every day of the year. Gun owners are the same way. They help prevent crime. They're out there. They're on the front lines. They are the people who have guns with them most of the time, and they can be reactive if anything happens. They can be the ones. They can be the. You need to be the first line of defense for your family, for your property, for yourself. Because you can't expect the police to be everywhere all the time, especially when they're cutting back, and they're making it more difficult for cops to make the decision to be there. They're going, you know what? That's a domestic dispute. I'm going to take my time getting there. I don't want to rush into something like that. Maybe it'll resolve itself before I get there if I take a while. And a lot of police officers doing this, they were not responding to certain calls in as timely a fashion as they could because of the way they were being treated afterwards. They go there, they get into some sort of scuffle, there's shots fired, somebody ends up getting killed because they fought with a police officer, and they blame the police officer. So they were avoiding getting into situations like this. This is something that's only going to get worse, too, especially when more and more cops start retiring and they have to hire people to fill these spots. If there's a shortage, they're going to try and hire quickly, and they may not have as secure a background check on these guys as they need to. They may not be able to psychologically evaluate these new officers as well as they need to. They're going to rush to get more people to fill the fill the boots and get on, on in the field, get on the ground, and they may be willing to overlook some issues. And I think that's the worst possible thing you could do. You want the very best people in these positions. You don't want people who have any kind of discrepancy in their background where they may not do the job as they're supposed to, where they may make mistakes, where they may shoot innocent people, or people who have too much of a temper should not be allowed to be police officers because they have to be very temperate. They have to be even-keeled, level-headed. They have to be compassionate, and they have to be willing to commit violent acts to protect people. So it's it's a weird mix, but that's what we need in police officers. You need people willing to run into the danger to defend innocent people. They have to have a warrior mindset, basically. They have to fight for the people who can't fight for themselves. They have to protect those that are too weak of mind and body in order to do their jobs. And when politicians hogtie them and tell them they can't do it or they're doing it wrong or you can't draw your weapon unless you call in for approval first, you're basically you're you're eliminating the effectiveness of police officers everywhere. Fortunately, in this particular case, the the officer was able to get the drop on the bad guy outside San Antonio International Airport, leaving the gunman dead and eliminating any threat to the rest of the public. So because he was there, he eliminated it. Let's see if we can get some details on this, but yeah. And the fact that they're trying to eliminate police officers just makes it that much more difficult. There's a driver in the middle of the road. The driver opened fire with a 45 caliber handgun. It was the start of an active shooter incident. 
The assailant fired a number of times at the officer and the terminal behind him. The officer returned fire, striking the subject, who was taken to the hospital and later pronounced dead. The police chief noted there were indications that the gunman struggled with mental illness. Now, I would like to know where he got this gun from. If he had purchased it, did he find it? Did he steal it? Did he have it before he was having troubles being mentally stable? I don't know. But the police officer was basically, this is the definition of a thin blue line. He was the thin blue line between this possibly mentally ill gunman and the public. He was the one who stood between the danger and the public. He was the one who pulled his weapon. He stopped him by shooting him right there on this on site. Had he not been there, how far would this guy have gone? Would he started walking into the terminal, randomly shooting people? Would there have been another mass shooting incident in our hands? Would it be something the news would have been covering nonstop for days on end, saying, oh, we need better gun control? Because we have good cops, this didn't become an issue. He was able to stop him right there before it escalated to any sort of incident, which is great. And, you know, gun owners themselves, they take that responsibility as well. However, being a gun owner and carrying concealed carries a huge amount of responsibility because you have to be so sure of what you're doing. You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to shoot the wrong person. You don't want to miss and shoot an innocent person. That's always things you have to consider when you're carrying a weapon. The ideal thing is to get yourself to safety. Unless you see this guy is just going to start killing people and you and you feel the need to get in there and stop him or at least warn people somehow get out of the way there's a guy with a gun go that way you know if you have to confront him your marksmanship is of the utmost importance (laughs) you do not want loose bullets flying around an airport terminal a mall a restaurant anywhere else a church where somebody may decide to commit some heinous act of violence against innocent people and it's funny because the innocent people are so grateful if you were to stop somebody like this. But yet they're probably the same people who say, oh, nobody should have guns except police officers. And even the cops shouldn't carry guns because they shoot people unnecessarily, which is complete hogwash, rubbish, ridiculousness. Police carry guns to protect themselves and to protect the public. They're there to be the thin blue line. That's all they do. They protect innocent people, people who are unable to defend themselves. That's what they stand up for. Now, as a civilian, you have a lot more limitations than law enforcement has, so you have to be extra careful if you ever have to draw your weapon in self-defense or defense of others. In fact, in defense of others, you have to be even more cautious than that because you never know who's related to who or what side people are going to stand on. I think I've mentioned a story before where a gentleman saw a neighbor beating his wife or girlfriend and tried to interfere, and when the cops came, the girlfriend was on the side of her boyfriend who was beating her. All right, we'll be back next week with a lot more. I am Roger B. This is Locked and Loaded, and you've been listening to America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.